Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to the Monkey Finance Podcast. Today, I'll be recording episode number 68. It's actually an anniversary, a birthday of so of sorts for Monkey Finance. Today, October 19th, 2022 is the three-year birthday for Monkey Finance. And I've been kind of reflecting all day about what sort of mindset I was in when I started Monkey Finance, uh, where I was as an investor, where I was in my personal life, and where I'm at now. So in today's episode, I kind of want to talk about if I could start all over again, if I can go back to October of 2019, um, but go back to October 2019 with the knowledge that I have today, what would I have done differently in my investing journey? Now, for some of you that have followed me from day one, you probably know in the beginning I tried out a whole lot of different strategies, whether it was um, dividend investing, um, investing in REITs for passive income, uh, investing in individual stocks, eventually moving on to investing in funds and then index funds, right? So it's been a whole array of things. I've dabbled in even penny stocks and crypto in the past. I've done a whole uh, wide spectrum of investing. And now I'm sort of a, for the past, I would say two years, uh, I've been strictly a index fund investor. um, And I don't own anything in my investment portfolio that is not uh, part of the Monkey 3 strategy, which is the three index funds that I recommend, total U.S. stock, total international, and U.S. small cap value. So how did I get here? Well, it took a lot of trial and error in a short amount of time, right? And I think one of the biggest things, if I started over again, that uh, I would change is I would skip all of that other stuff that I tried from the bat. So, you know, if if... I thought about investing the way I think about it now, which is a a tool to help me build and sustain long-term wealth. If I thought about it back in the beginning, I would have probably gone with just the Monkey 3 right off the bat. Um, I wouldn't have even gone with just 100% VTI or FSKX like I did eventually when I switched to index funds. And the reason being is this strategy that I created for myself has allowed me to truly uh, become long-term in my focus. Um, we, it's been a rough year for investors. Um, total uh, U.S. markets down 25 26%. International, even a notch above that. And small cap value at about 16%. So it's been, you know, it's been a, a rough year. And to be expected, right? This is something that I knew even back then getting into the stock market, I knew that there would be rough years. It's not like uh, it's the stock market is not this thing that you just put your money into and it's always going to be green. So you sort of have to weather the storm or uh, wait it out to see sunnier days. So I knew that. But what I didn't know was that there's a lot of noise as far as what type of investments or investment strategies you should be in. And um, I never really understood investment strategies. I just looked at, uh, let's say, dividend growth investing. Yes, that's an investment strategy, but I didn't uh, know necessarily what rules to follow outside of do the companies that I own grow their dividends, which looking back at it now, it's a terrible metric to use to base 
uh, your long-term investing on because one, dividends are not guaranteed. Two, companies can easily stop growing dividends. And three, if a company cuts its dividend as you own it, the stock's going to plummet. So, you know, as a long-term way to build wealth, it's not the way I want it to go. And I quickly realized that after maybe six or eight months of trying that, uh, I just didn't want to do it. The other issue I ran into um, that back then I didn't know was how much work you had to put in to being a good stock picker or picking investments in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be stocks, whether it's picking cryptocurrencies or picking, picking actively managed funds. The amount of work that's required to successfully do that is more uh, time than I had in the day, right? And even back then when I was um, without a kid, without sort of the uh, busyness in my schedule that I have today, I still couldn't um, contribute all that time to just studying and learning about different investments. And it really would have to be a full-time job for you to have even a chance to do it successfully. So then that begs the question, why even try? If you can dedicate 40 hours a week to it and still have a chance of underperforming, and the chance is pretty great of underperforming a simple index fund strategy, why even waste your time? So I would have smacked myself in the head October of 2019 and said, stop fooling around with all this uh, dividend or cryptos or uh, hot funds and just get into the thing that over the last hundred years has proven to be the best avenue to build long-term wealth and that's index funds. And now index funds have sort of grown at least over the past decade um, where there's so many financial products that have the word index in them or they claim to be benchmarked to an index. But then when you kind of dig deeper into them, you see that they're sort of not index funds. They're more of uh, closet index funds, but uh, they still have an active management uh, component to them. Um, And I'm not a big fan of that, Um, whether it's direct indexing, um, which has become really popular, whether it's uh, the uh, DFA or Avantis funds that uh, sort of follow a rules-based, evidence-based approach to investing, um, they still are not what I would consider an index fund. Now, by all means, those are not the worst possible investments out there, right? They're, they're, uh, some of them, like DFA, have a proven track record for the last 30 years to actually beat the market. Uh, but that, to me, that word beat the market is such a, a loose label because um, that entails active management. And active management to me means that somebody out there thinks they could beat the market. And one thing I've learned over the last three years, it's very, very unlikely that you will beat the market, right? So something I would have told myself if I was starting over again is ignore anything that says it can beat the market or any strategy that says it's better than the market, just straight up ignore it. You would have been, I would have been a much better investor for it. And those of you listening today, if you follow that advice, you will probably be better investors for it. 2020 was a sort of interesting year where as I was transitioning to 100% index funds, that's officially in in, uh, June uh, of 2020, 
I became 100% index funds. I got rid of any single stock holdings that I had. But, you know, some of the stocks that I did own on the back end of that or the middle of that year were those highly speculative pre-revenue companies that were going public uh, via backdoor mergers, companies like Nikola, companies like Fisker Automotive, um, companies that had an idea, but outside of that, nothing else, right? And I kind of, I'm human. I got caught up in that um, that buzz train and I jumped on board. And luckily for me, I made money and I got out uh, out of everything, June, July timeframe. Um, and really there were short-term holds, three, four months max. Um, but, you know, doubled, in some cases, tripled my initial investment in such a short time frame. And I think I was already becoming wise enough that I could see that is not sustainable. And I just think back to if I would have held on to some of those um, that, uh, for example, Nikola ran up to almost $100 a share and I was buying them in the low teens. I think now Nikola's at uh, 3 or $4 a share, maybe 5 I don't know. I haven't checked really. Um, but, you know, those are the kinds of investments that will derail any kind of future um, wealth building uh, path that you're on. It's 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 a a brick wall that you're going to hit, and a lot of investors have hit that brick wall. Arc's another good example. Now, Arc, I never did invest in, but um, in the circles that I was hanging out with and talking about investments back in 2020, a lot of people in those circles were hyping up Arc as uh, sort of the the future of of investing and how it's going to double, triple the returns of the market. And uh, this was when ARC was 150, approaching 160 bucks a share. And at the, uh, today's recording, I think it's at 33 or $34 a share, right? So again, a lot of uh, people's financial plans were derailed by picking some of these investments. And cryptocurrency, uh, I don't have to keep going with these, but I'll end it with cryptocurrency. I know a couple of people that um, claimed that, you know, cryptocurrency was going to be the future. And by 2022, 2023, at, at the latest, Bitcoin was going to be, you know, $250,000 a coin. And all these other cryptocurrencies were just going to, you know, be amazing. And what we've seen is, again, people's financial plans derailed. And that's one thing I've learned with index investing is, you can create a strategy that's comprised of only index funds. You can set it and you can forget it. And I don't want to say it's guaranteed, but it's the next best thing to having somewhat of a predictable financial future. And the reason is you have data behind you, right? You can look at the S&P 500 since 1925 and you can see what it's done. And then you can easily buy an S&P 500 index fund or mutual fund, whether it be FXAIX or VOO. And you can, with some degree of confidence, say, well, if I hold this thing over my investing timeline, which might be 30, 40, 50 years, historically, it ranges between 8 to 12% a year, somewhere in there, over a 40-year period, depending on which 40-year period you look like. You look at and and what's interesting about uh, when you just buy the market is markets have weathered storms. They've weathered world wars. They've uh, weathered cold wars. They've weathered hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, uh, whatever 
has uh, potentially happened, uh, countries collapsing, um, empires rising and falling, whatever has happened in the last 100 years, index funds, if you were in index funds over the 100 years, now I know uh, index funds didn't come to be until 1975, but if you could have hypothetically owned an index fund uh, going back to to the uh, early 1900s, you would have done really, really well. And it's hard to say that for any other type of investment. And people try to make that claim for other investments, but then, you know, again, they fall apart and and their um, short-sightedness or recency bias gets exposed when that investment falls 80, 90% or gets wiped out 100% in some cases uh, with some of those crypto exchanges that were failing and the crypto coins that were failing, right? So something I would tell myself in October of 2019 is to have data behind you and have the confidence that whatever you're investing in, you can hold it forever. And and one great uh, Warren Buffett quote that I always think about now is if the stock market closes for the next 20 years and then a year 21, it opens up that thing that you're holding, would it be worth more or less in 21 years if it could not trade for the last 20 And when you start looking at it through that lens, you start to figure out, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that's speculative that uh, doesn't have intrinsic value, that doesn't trade on fundamentals, which let's face it, everything in the stock market in the short term is not based on any kind of fundamental. Um, It's really based off of emotions. And we as as humans, we have a, a tough time controlling our emotions, right? So we can't expect something in the short term in the stock market to work out when it's millions and millions of trades done every day by now it's I guess you can argue it's done more by machines with the algorithmic trading than anything. But it's it's done on emotion. It's done on, on news or hearsay or or things in the short term that you think might or might not happen. And it's millions of people trading between one another. But when you look at the long run, it always falls back to fundamentals and uh, fundamentals of companies growing earnings, fundamentals of companies paying out dividends and fundamentals of the economy and the um, entire world prospering uh, in in the positive direction. So you sort of have to be uh, an optimist when you're investing for the long run. If you're a pessimist, it probably won't do you any well to be in the stock market at all because at the first sign of trouble, you might say, well, the whole world's coming to an end and you're going to sell it all or you're going to go buy guns, ammo, uh, and and pallets of dry food, whatever you're going to do uh, for your doomsday scenario, right? So that, those arguments with those people uh, are kind of pointless. I like to be more of an optimist. And I think early on when I started investing, I was trying to be an optimist But I was looking too much at the short-term, day-to-day, the intraday, even the weekly movings of a stock, and then making an emotional decision on a stock based off that. And, you know, it's really hard for people who've just started to understand none of that matters. Because in 20 years from now, if I ask you, what did the stock market do on October 19th, 20? 22, you're not going to have an answer. Even though so far this year, the market is down 25%, more than likely, you're not going to remember it because 20 years from now, um, the market might be 
more than triple what it is today. And and times might be good, right? Or even if they're bad, probably the market, unless, uh, again, some unforeseen thing happens, which there's always the possibility of, uh, the market's always going up over a long period of time. Um, so that's one thing I think I could, if I could change and start all over again is not worry so much about the day-to-day, week-to-week, or month-to-month, even year-to-year in some cases, um, happenings in the market because it's it's really irrelevant for building your wealth long-term. And I've gotten really good at not checking my portfolio. I log in once a month now to do the portfolio updates, but outside of that, I, I don't log in. I don't have the app on my phone to even look at the portfolio. So I, I really don't know what's going on with the numbers on the screen and I think it's made me a better investor. Uh, psychologically, every time I looked at it, even though I wasn't making changes in the past two years, but every time I looked at it, it would bring out some type of emotion out of me. And definitely going back to the beginning, every time I looked at it, I might have made a change that day. And uh, it's really unwarranted for um, long-term investors to have any kind of access to their portfolio on a day-to-day or month-to-month because it's kind of like um, if you think about real estate, and it's a good example, um, the property that I just bought last year has been steadily rising. I think in, I haven't even owned it a year, have I? No, not yet. It's coming up in December, but it's been rising, right? And I don't look at the day-to-day price of what my property is worth. Uh, because again, this property is something that I'm holding on to long term. So it doesn't mean anything to me if the property is worth an extra thousand dollars today, or if it's worth five thousand dollars less today. It, it doesn't. It shouldn't mean anything because again, I'm not going to sell this. And if you look at your uh, index fund or whatever your your um, uh, equities market investments are, you should treat them the same way. Um, if if they're worth less or more from wh- when you bought them. Um, it really should not matter to you today because you were not going to sell it today. At least I hope you're not, or you're not looking to, um, retire today. If you are, then you probably, you know, might need to readjust the strategy that you're in, uh, uh, to, to be able to retire. Now, the other thing, uh, that I would tell myself if I could start all over again is to never open a taxable account. And what I've learned about, um, tax advantage accounts is not only are they a great tool to help um, increase your investment return because for every uh, investment that you you might be in, even if you're in index funds, if you put it in a taxable account, you create about a 2% tax drag um, depending on your income. You're going to create a 2% tax drag uh, on your after-tax return, right? Because let's say you put your money in the S&P 500, hold it for 10 years and you're taxable, you turn around and sell it, you're still going to owe capital gains taxes on the gains that you made, which kind of defeats the purpose of you know, getting a stock market return because in that case, you're not. So I think early on, I would have been way more aggressive in tax advantage accounts uh, such as 401ks, Roth IRAs, um, HSAs. And even in this case, I guess after my kid was born, the the 529. And I've learned that over the past year, year and a half, and uh, I've shifted my mindset to really not caring about taxable accounts any longer. 
reason again being I had the early retirement plan with my taxable to buy the truck and the RV and go travel and all that. Um, but again, now thinking about it, those were short-term goals that I was setting. They were less than five years and I was putting money in a taxable account with recency bias with the market going up, thinking that I could take a shortcut and go, you know, instead of uh, having my early retirement and, and buying the pickup truck in five years and the RV in five years, well, I was thinking, well, I could do it in three years if I put it in a taxable account, right? Because it's going to make me enough money to be able to buy a truck just from the gains. And that's not the case. Um, you know, if you do feel the urge to have a taxable account, that's fine. Uh, but I think if I had to start all over again, I would have never opened up a taxable account until every possible tax advantage account was maxed out. And even then, if my goal was in short term in nature, less than five years, I probably wouldn't have opened up a taxable account. Um, that's just a, a big lesson that I've learned. Um, I opened up my taxable account side by side with my Roth IRA. And um, while I have maxed out my Roth IRA along the line, along the way every year, I've also not maxed out the 401k every year. And thinking about it now, I was able to put, you know, almost, oh gosh, at the top, I think it was worth 97000 in the taxable. Um, to have that much money in a taxable, but not having the 401k maxed out every year, it really defeats the purpose. And uh, I see that now, and I'm more aware of that now. And uh, the focus has now shifted 100% to tax advantage accounts to the point where uh, I probably don't see myself, if ever, unless I have like an excess of millions and millions of dollars, I don't see myself ever having the need to to have a taxable account again. I think that's something that um, I probably don't talk about enough because it took me a while to have that self-realization in my own life and to understand that um, the drag that you're creating on your on your overall performance in the taxable is really not worth it to having access to the money. Um, and especially if you're going to be a long-term investor, what's the point of having early access to it if your goal is to have this money in 30 or 40 years, right? Which in that case, all these tax advantage accounts, whether they're 401ks, which some can be taken out as early as 55 or Roth IRAs after you turn 59 and a half, um, you'll have access to that money. Um, if you have a, a short-term goal like to, like I did to save for a truck or RV, save cash. Nothing in the market can happen in five years unless you're in some kind of crazy bull run where you're going to double your money, right? So it's still probably the safer route to just put it in cash. Sorry, I just had to take a sip of this coffee here as my and my throat's drying up. Haven't talked this long in a long time. Um, so yes, staying away from trendy investments, individual stocks, cryptos, staying away from taxable accounts and having the mindset of really understanding what it means to be a long-term investor and not just say it like I'm a long-term investor, but actually um, have that mindset of being one which is uh, two different things to me. And I've seen myself again over the three years now that uh, I've been doing financial education content. I've seen myself develop into a long-term investor with a long-term approach. And 
of course, there's always room for improvement and things to tweak and um, get better at. But where I'm at now, uh, three years later, I feel I'm in a very good spot that I have a very good understanding of the financial markets. I have a good understanding of my portfolio. And I also have a good understanding of where it's going to, what direction it's going to head in, you know, over the next 30 years that I'm pretty comfortable with what I'm doing. And that's the last point I want to touch on is comfort. Um, Sometimes we get lost in the tiny details of uh, investing that we forget about what's really important. And that's having a stress-free, comfortable life, a life that you enjoy, a life that is filled with purpose. And early on, I I put uh, or stressed the details so much that I think investing um, turned into a game. It turned into um, being this efficient machine that uh, would maximize every dollar. And what I've learned along the way is if you set up a plan, I want to save 15, 20, 25% of my income and you stick to that plan, you don't have to sweat the small stuff and the little details as long as you know what you're invested in. And and then on the backside, when things don't go as your uh, fully detailed, drawn-up plan says they would, um, you don't stress about it. So, you know, because I've come to learn that in life, especially because we're relatively speaking, on this earth for such a short amount of time compared to how uh, old the planet is, we're really a very, very short amount of time we get to spend on earth. And you want to be maximizing your life, not your investments. And what I mean by that is you want to have life experiences that uh, as as you age and get older, you can look back on and reflect on and say, that was a good time in my life or I really enjoyed that trip or I really enjoyed spending time with that friend or family member or I really enjoyed uh, watching my kid grow up or whatever brings you joy in life. Because I guarantee you, as you get older, and I'm not trying to say that I'm old by any means, I'm 30, what am I, 32, 33, um, but as you get older, you start to realize what's important and what's not Um Chasing money for me is no longer important. Having, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 million dollars in retirement is not important. I think for me and in my small family, what's become the most important thing is having full control of our time and really spending it as we say we want to spend it. And it's okay if that changes. We've had many different plans of how we wanted to spend our time and things have changed. Um, obviously I'm not going to be retired any longer. I have to go, go back to work. And that was something again, we didn't plan for, for five years and not even two years later, I might have to be, or not might have to be, I have to go back to work. Um, so that's changed and that that's okay. Again, it's not the end of the world. It's not like uh, me going back to work means I failed in any aspect. It just means that, plan didn't go according to plan and and you know that's life it it if life was so easy and predictable i think everybody would be happy and would be doing everything they 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 love to do and you know as we know it's not always the case and sometimes plans have to change 
Now, the, uh, the last thing, too, on just touching on not getting into the details of, of your investing strategy is trying to figure out the best investing strategy for you. I've highlighted many, many videos on how to pick a portfolio, how to find strategies that work, and still the number one question I get is, should I buy VTI or VOO, or should I invest in uh, international? Should I buy the monkey three? Should I do this? And it's like, I, I did my best in the past to help answer those questions. But now it's like, the more of those I get, the more or the less I've been answering them. And that the reason is, I just don't know. I don't know what's best for you. Because it took me three years to figure out what was best for me, right? It wasn't something that I figured out overnight, because some um, YouTuber told me this is what's best, right? Like it, it took me, gosh, maybe 50 books um, and trial and error and lots of uh, late nights burning the midnight oil to figure out a strategy that was best for me. And now that I figured it out, it's been almost two years since I got into the strategy and obviously I'm still sticking with it. So it must be working. And it again, it's a strategy that I designed to work in good times and bad and to give me as a, as the optimist that I am some optimism when times are bad and you always when you have three investments you can always look at them individually and say hey one's doing better than the other and in this case in, in um, 2022 while they're all down small cap value is doing better than the other two and it gives me some hope and optimism that I'm I'm, I'm going to be okay right and that's why I designed it I don't know if that's going to work for you. And that's something you have to uh, reflect on and say, hey, what's my risk tolerance? What's my time horizon? How likely am I to stick with this? And then find something that, that would work. And it's it, it's you shouldn't spend a lot of time, as, as much time as I did. I think I in my um, path to be a perfectionist, I probably over-perfected a lot of my stuff and portfolios and Again, it's it's not that difficult. I think a uh, couple of hours sitting down and really thinking about those three core things, your risk tolerance, um, your time horizon, and uh, what something that you can stick with long term is, uh, you can figure that out within a couple of hours. And once you do, set it and forget it. And that's really been the biggest thing over the last three years is being able to set it and forget it has allowed me to focus on other areas or aspects of my life uh, that bring me more happiness than picking a portfolio. And um, it might sound like, you know, I'm turned off to now the um, financial market news or I'm turned off to talking about investing. And I'm not. I still am very passionate about investing and, and money management. And I still read a whole lot of books on it. Uh, but when it comes to uh, looking at it from a, a short-term perspective, I am turned off by that. And I no longer wish to engage in, you know, making content that is such a short-sighted content like, oh, what, um, what's going on in the last month or last couple of weeks because it, it really is just meaningless. And I've never been a fan of that to begin with, but I know it's the stuff that, you know, gets the clicks and gets the listens and the views. So sometimes as as a content creator, you have to figure out how do I make money, but how do I also talk about stuff that I want to talk about, which those two can be very difficult. And um, which brings me to now 
talking about monkey finance, you know, three years uh, at it. And obviously I had bigger goals and aspirations for monkey finance when I started it than where it's currently at. Um, I'm grateful for the 10,000 followers on YouTube and the um, listeners here on the podcast, the loyal listeners, one of the, I, I might not be the biggest. I think I was rated number 54 uh, on a financial podcast, which I'm, tr- I'm trying to crack the top 50. We'll see if I can. Um, but I might not be the biggest, but I have some of the loyal, loyalist listeners. Um, and I really appreciate that. And reflecting back on my, some of my goals, uh, which were obviously to, you know, have a thousand followers, 10,000, a hundred thousand. Obviously I've come short on that. And, um, I'm not beating myself up about that. I think it's more of the climate and environment and also more on me, um, than anything else. I have chosen to not take opportunities that I had presented to me because I felt like they didn't line up with my morals. And thinking back on it, I if I could do it all over again, I still would have done the same exact thing, right? I still wouldn't have done videos um, that were trendy or were, would mislead people. Um, I still wouldn't have taken uh, the countless of sponsorship offers for uh, pushing penny stocks or cryptocurrencies or other securities uh, onto the channel. I still wouldn't have um, sold my soul basically to Wall Street so that I can benefit financially from it. And um, I I still have a lot of problems with, you know, content creators that do that because in a sense it's, it's very misleading. Um, it's misleading to their viewers and to not care that whether they know that they're intentionally doing it or not, I, I can't talk on that. I don't know what somebody's thinking inside their own head. But to intentionally mislead somebody for your monetary gain, I think, is the worst kind of, you know, um, worst kind of uh, characteristic to, to have in a person that's a person that's greedy to me. And when you become greedy and you um, you worship money, which... I don't care if you're Christian, uh, Muslim, Jewish. I'm pretty sure every religion uh, has um, a uh, a verse in 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 the Bible or the Quran or or the Torah about not worshiping money, and you should always, if you're religious, worship God. Um, God is the the thing that is allowing you to have the money that you have. And at the end of the day, you need to understand that you're just a money manager for God. And God will entrust you with more money if he thinks you're doing a good job. And if he thinks you're not, then he's going to probably give you less. But once you start worshiping money, um, and that is your sole focus, um, it's going to be an empty life that you're going to live at the end of it. Uh, You're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to find any fulfillment in making $20 million, but knowing deep down inside that you screwed over a bunch of people to, to do that. And, uh, I think if I could start all over again, I would do it the same exact way. And um, that's something that I think separates me from a lot of, uh, content creators is, um, I, I speak my mind, I say what I want to say. And 
I don't, I'm not owned by anybody. I'm not owned by um, Wall Street or Google or YouTube or Apple or Spotify or anybody, even though Anchor is one of my sponsors here on the podcast. Shout out to you, Anchor. Um, I, I speak my mind. And if there's something I don't like, I will say it. And if it means that um, it hurts people or offends people, not hurts them financially, but if it hurts their feelings because I said something, well, so be it. But I am who I am. And uh, whether it's the last three years or the next 30 years, that's one thing you can count on for me is I will come on here as time permits and I will speak my mind. And if you want to listen, great. If not, you know where the door's at. You can always click off and uh, go consume uh, somebody else's content. Uh, but thank you for your time and thank you for allowing me to live out this uh, dream of mine for the last three years. It's been super fun and I can't wait to see what the next three years or 10 years or 30 years look like. Um, I don't have any expectations anymore. I think now it's it's gone back to... Um, gone back to me doing it because I want to do it and not because I have to. I think one of the, as I'll wrap this up, I don't want to go too long, but one of the other mistakes, um, if I could start over again is I kind of gave this, uh, earlier is don't chase the money. I think when I started YouTube and and, and even the podcast a couple years ago, um, money was good and it sort of gave me a false sense of I could do this full time and you know the money would just keep rolling in and rolling in and I not that I was chasing the money but I kind of relied on it and then now I realize well okay it's not as um easy or as good as um it was so I have to now scale it back and actually go back into the workforce and that's okay but now you know I'm not I can't say I'm doing it for the money any longer because now it's like okay I'm going to have a full-time job and this will just be something I do on the side because I want to. And if I was demonetized and didn't make any money from it, I would still put out as much content as I'm going to be putting out. So there, the my, my content going forward won't have any uh, conflict of interest or any bearing on well, if it's going to make me another penny or not. It's really uh, there for this community that has uh, uh, built around the monkey finance brand um, and people that have been loyal listener listeners and followers of my message and you know people that in the private membership group that I feel like I've come real close to uh, or become close to and really admire seeing their journeys and seeing them um, prosper financially and those things to me are uh, worth way more than any dollar I can make from ad revenue or from sponsorships or anything like that. And, um, you know, going forward, I will continue to treasure those way more than, than any monetary, um, gain that I might get, uh, from, from putting out this content. But thank you guys so much for listening to episode 68 and want to wish Mookie finance a happy three year birthday. If we were human, we'd be still a toddler. We wouldn't even be in preschool yet. So, there's a long, long journey ahead of monkey finance learning. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you guys again so much on your way out. A uh, few things you could do to help me out on the podcast. If you're listening on Apple, uh, please leave me a rating 
and a review. Um, those really help push the podcast along. So again, I want to crack the top 50 most listened to financial podcasts and only you guys can help me do that. So uh, leave me that. And if you leave an actual review, I will read it live on the air in the next uh, episode that I record. Thanks again. And as always, remember, move obstacles, keep investing.